0: Hey guys, welcome back. Um, got DJ here again. Hello. And uh, we're going to be talking about prisons. Uh, as you can tell, a lot of these ideas kind of come about organically because uh, we were just talking about this sort of in the previous episode and decided that it might be a good idea to make a episode dedicated solely to it. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, The prison system in America and why it should be changed. Um, So, yeah, the prison, prisons kind of have four goals. Uh, There's actually like four goals of punishment kind of in general. Um, Those goals are retribution. So. If somebody is murdered, the family wants somebody to pay for it. Like, the family of the person who got murdered, they feel like somebody needs to pay for what has happened. So, retribution, kind of like an eye for an eye, as much as you can do. Um, incapacitation, so people who are, uh, I guess, a threat to themselves, maybe, or a threat to others. Keeping them in a prison is... Maybe a good idea because until they work out their issues, uh, that's a reasonably good way to keep society safe, I guess. Um, deterrence. If we don't punish people for crimes, uh, then people have no reason to not do them. Um, and because crimes are kind of based on a like a moral code or something, uh, it would be the hope that everybody would kind of have this uh, deterrence within themselves, that they don't want to do it, but unfortunately that's not the case, so we have to have uh, external deterrence from doing immoral acts. Um, so yeah, prison imprisonment is a big deterrence. And then rehabilitation is the fourth goal, and this one's uh, sorely overlooked in our system but it seems to be getting more attention recently so hopefully there will soon be a beneficial change
1: yeah and one of the things uh, we kind of talked about in the last episode is the idea with like uh mental illness when someone will like uh plead insane insanity and their plea is like accepted they'll go to like a mental institution which is meant to with like the goal of like helping them with that uh, mental illness um when that that kind of shows that uh like the goal of those places are more like a rehabilitatory, uh trying to give this person certain types of like medication and therapy and like a an approach to uh give them the opportunity to uh in in some cases, uh, re-assimilate into society in a more, like, sustainable and healthy way. Whereas a lot of times with, like, the prison system, like Evan was saying, the rehabilitation part kind of gets... uh, It has, like, a lower... uh, It's lower on, like, the ladder of importance. A lot of times that retribution is more of, like, a high-ranking thing, this idea of, like, this person did something wrong, so we need to punish them for it. And I feel like... uh, deterrence is used a lot more than rehabilitation so we make our prison system very strict and prison a lot of people to say for it to be like a really big deterrence so that we just hope people won't do the crimes but now that they're doing them we're kind of starting to realize that the rehabilitation isn't really there in our prison systems
0: yeah um, I was in a really interesting class uh, last year um, and we talked about a lot about the, the prison system because the whole course was about uh, civil rights and social movements, and it was really uh, inf- informative. Um, a book that I would recommend on this subject is The New Jim Crow. It's a pretty popular book. Uh, it's a pretty recent one also, but it talks about how prison is kind of just the newest iteration of slavery and I know that I probably just lost a bunch of non-existent listeners but um, because they there's this kind of belief that like oh slavery is gone but this book makes a really compelling argument about how our prison system is just the most recent of many iterations of slavery and Racial oppression.
1: Yeah, that's something that's really overlooked today. Because a lot of times, what people will say is we're in like a post-like racial society, because there's most or like all laws don't uh, specifically in their like writing. Um, they don't in like the legislature legislature itself uh, segregate due to race, but a lot of times we're in this kind of era now of more like they're being practiced. Like I know there's a much higher incarceration rate for like black individuals than white individuals in this country. So, like you were saying, this is kind of like the new form of that. I've heard a lot of this idea of like, it's a way to kind of continue holding them back. Like there was slavery there was sharecropping. There was the civil rights movement in like the 20th century. That's still kind of continuing now, but now there's like, I would say less obvious oppression on like a, um, legal standpoint if you're like reading the laws but it's like this idea of the more um people who are in prison they aren't able to function um and like in their families or in like society so they're not able to like continue like growing and continue uh to like build wealth and continue to build all of these things so like that's uh the example that's given a lot is that when you're incarcerated at such like a high rate you don't have the opportunities to be building wealth that the uh, other um, like majority of population that is being incarcerated at a lower rate does.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the Hotel California where you can check out, but you can never truly leave. Um, and it's, it's kind of uh, almost designed that way. I'm not sure if I'd like to believe that it wasn't intentional, but part of me, the cynical part, Tends to think that it was designed intentionally to make it so that the recidivism rate is just really high. Um, and as you were talking about that, I remembered a couple of other things that we talked about in this class. One of them was uh, oh, I forget what it's called. I think they were like called chain gangs or something like that. Um, and they're they would actually like sell the labor of prisoners um, and the prisoners wouldn't get any reward from it. So they were working for free. So it was it in no stretch of the imagination. It was slavery. These people were being incarcerated. uh, And back then they had laws where it's like, oh, if you don't have a job, you're going to be incarcerated. So just like blatantly going after black people and putting them in jail and then while they were in jail, they were just getting more free labor out of them. And that's, there's similar things that happen in prisons now. I don't know for sure, but I think that there are like, don't they have prisoners do work and that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. And I, I there's, um, sometimes they're like paid for it, but it's not like a, it doesn't, due to them being like imprisoned, I don't think they have the same, uh, they don't have like a legal minimum wage, so sometimes they might work for like benefits as opposed to yeah. like the federal minimum wage. So I can definitely imagine similar things happening now, but it's one of those things where like it has it's like with like the chain gangs and everything that like came out like years later. So I wonder if we're in like almost like a investigatory like point in that like battle where it's like another. Another thing that still has to be kind of exposed.
0: Yeah, another thing that I remembered was uh, this court case called McCleskey versus Kemp. Uh, it was a case. It was a. I think it was a Fourteenth Amendment case where they were trying to prove this. This guy, I think he was a a statistician. Um, his name was. He he was he did a bunch of uh. Like compiled a bunch of uh, data from uh, death sentence cases, and he found out that controlling for thirty six variables other than race, so like age, wealth, uh, geography, all that kind of stuff, um, black people were eleven times more likely to get a death sentence, and it was even higher in cases where it was like a black person had committed a a crime against a white person. And this was just crazy. And it was like unequivocal. You couldn't, you couldn't like dispute this. Um, But still, the Supreme Court said in order for you to make like a claim on the 14th Amendment, it has to be intentional discrimination. So because this wasn't uh, intentional discrimination, it was just like the bias of the jury. they couldn't like i, I get, they couldn't like punish anyone for it or make any like reparation so that kind of set up this precedent where it's like in order for you to have a 14th amendment claim to say that i'm being treated unequally by laws the law has to be intentionally racist so either it has to have racist language or sexist language or whatever oppression system of oppression you're trying to tackle. It has to either have it blatantly written in the law. So it's got to say like, treat women differently or something like that. Or the people who were, who wrote the law have to be like on record saying that they want this law to do such and such and discriminate against such and such people, which is just crazy.
1: Yeah. When you think about it, um, Lawmakers aren't stupid. Like, they're even if they are like racist or sexist or whatever, they're not going in there and just uh, getting recorded saying, like, oh, I hate women and this is like the goal of this law. So, to have such like, I, reading about like the case, they said they told um, McCluskey to go to the like, to bring his evidence, like a statistical evidence to a legislative body to get a new law passed because they were saying, like, this doesn't defy the Constitution because of what you were saying, um, which is a really, really crazy thing to think about, that like, basically all the Constitution says is that it can't... It doesn't matter what happens in practice uh, as long as there's no proof that that was the intent of the law. Yeah,
0: which gets to this point where it's like, it's not the law so much, it's how it's enforced, and that's a lot of uh, the reason why... um, blacks and other groups are being incarcerated at such higher rates uh, and i don't think i don't think it's like the the police officers have like a vendetta against black people but i think they're kind of taught almost to go after certain people um and oh, i forgot where i was going with that
1: well, I would, I would say, like, with that idea of, like, taught to go after, that probably is are, still has some uh, kind of vibrations of redlining, which happened, which is, like, this idea of um, when you have, like, majority of Black neighborhoods um, where they are told that they're, like, high crime and, like, high violence-based areas. So you're already going in on alert and expecting violence. The outcome is going to be more arrests and more violence if that's what you go into with uh, like police officers expecting. They're also going to patrol those areas more because they're expecting more violence. Uh, So it's really, really uh, kind of just like a snowball effect of that. And even though that's like illegal now, you can still see kind of like the repercussions of that because it was quite recent that that was even like made illegal or stopped like officially like stopped happening.
0: Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, redlining was this practice. I think it was by like the federal housing initiative or whatever, um, where they would go into specific neighborhoods and, I guess, evaluate the um, the safeness of investing in that place. So like, uh, if a person wanted to like, it purchase a or, or I think it was for mortgages. Like if you wanted to get a mortgage, uh, for a house, um, depending on what neighborhood, uh, that would dictate the risk in involved with that mortgage. So they would give, they'd do these assessments and they'd give them to banks, so that, um, I, I on their surface, it was like supposed to be preventing the banks from getting involved in uh bad uh, loans and that kind of stuff. So it's on its surface, was supposed to be protecting the banks. But what it was actually, if you look at, like, the forms that these, uh, I don't know what they're called, investigators, maybe, uh, yeah, they'd go into the neighborhoods, and they'd evaluate, they'd, like, audit the neighborhood, just um, figure out how risky it would be to in- invest there. And it would all be just, like, super, really superficial things. um. And one of the fields on this sheet that they had was actually like, what is the demographic of the neighborhood? And if it was anything other than white, that was a demerit. So then the results of that is that certain neighborhoods couldn't get money from the banks. And that starts the problem of you can't develop wealth. And then that just, yeah, it snowballs.
1: Yeah. And it's any financial service. So like mortgages, student loans, credit cards, any type of insurance, which when you think about uh, like the idea of having to buy a house with cash is not something that most families can do. And like student loans are kind of a vital part of our education system, good or bad. That's pretty like a pretty necessary thing for most people to go and get a further education. So this wasn't just this idea of what a lot of people say is like, there's no more slavery anymore. They, like, they're just lazy is what I hear a lot. It's this idea of, like, this is as recent as almost 1970 that that was, like, legally outlawed. So that's, like, just over, like, half a decade ago. So, like, when, like, a lot of our parents were alive, this was still, like, legal. This isn't a, like, an extremely, like, out there thing. And it's not, like, a very obscure thing. It was happening across the country.
0: Yeah. And all of this just begs the question, like, why? Why are we so obsessed? And it seems like we're devoting a lot of uh, resources and energy to suppressing these people, oppressing these people. Um, I just don't understand, like, why is that a good use of our time?
1: I, I feel, I guess... The only real, like, explanation I've ever, like, had, like, given is this idea of um, it's really, it's, like, it's just a continuation of, like, a cycle. So they're kind of, like, oppressed. And then through that, when you look at the statistics, they don't perform as well, obviously, because they don't have the same, like, foundation to stand on. So then whatever generation did so has the ability to, like, kind of induce, like, a stigma on the furthering generation so then they're not they're they're not seen as oppressed they're seen as lazy and like inferior and then so when you see someone as lazy and inferior you continue to oppress them that's the only real explanation i've ever been given on why but i really don't think there's a good answer other than i guess greed and just simple racism yeah i think
0: it i think it all boils down to like the ego and trying to uh Always serve your best interest, which, unfortunately, is kind of the yeah. If you're if you're like most people and you're living sort of mindlessly, uh, then that is the the normal human behavior is to protect your best interest, and I guess for most people, uh, or what there's a lot of white people, especially white men in power, um. And they don't want to be challenged. They want only their interests to be served. So they're gonna do everything in their power to keep their power.
1: Yeah, it, it's a really like sad thing that happens. And I'd say like the hardest part is uh, it's really hard to point out exactly where it happens because there's things that are uh, like mean, and then there's things that are illegal, and sometimes they'll get Those will get blurred. And it's just a really, really convoluted system because it's kind of been adapting and evolving for centuries to kind of continue this oppression without uh, kind of a lot more under the surface now without being so obvious. And with with this idea of like uh, plausible deniability a lot of the times, which makes it really, really like hard to kind of combat that.
0: Yeah, this is a bit of a departure, but it almost kind of reminds me of, uh, I watched this documentary about flat earth and it's just, I guess it was a good documentary cause it stayed in my head now for about a week. Um, and like they talk about how like, oh, these people are covering up that the earth is flat. They don't want us to know that the earth is flat and like, okay, so let's just assume that that is the case. They are covering it up um but like what interest does that serve like why would it be beneficial to the government for that for us to think that the earth is a globe rather than a a flat disc like that doesn't really change much of our everyday lives like i could understand if the government's trying to cover up like i i tend to believe that the government is uh Being, it has sold themselves out to the meat and dairy industry, and they're telling us to eat, uh, to drink milk at every meal and have a serving of meat at every meal because they have a financial interest there. Um, even though it is has been proven that that's a really unhealthy thing to do, um, but like, what what interest is being served by having us believe that our earth is round rather than flat?
1: I guess the only thing I could think with that um, without really without being a member of the flat earth community would be, I guess I the only thing I would think is like what you were saying is that if they're covering that up, they might be covering other things up. But I really, really can't think of outside of that any reason that it really matters, I guess.
0: Yeah. But if they are covering up other things, why would they want to? devote their energy to something as big as covering up the shape of the earth it seems like they would want to just focus on what is like actually important to cover up and devote all their resources to that
1: and also it'd be kind of strange because they would also be covering up and kind of falsifying like a multitude of laws of physics because like due to gravity things will kind of just naturally go into a spherical shape yeah and not like a flat one which would mean like all of modern science is fake which would mean like they somehow in like made ways for planes to work with a different type of physics and it would just it'd be an extremely like
0: well a, that's one of the extremely... that's one of the reasons why they think that the earth is flat is because there's a uh allegedly a lack of nonstop flights uh in the southern hemisphere because the distance is too great, like if you project the Earth on a flat surface, um, the distance between like South America and Africa is really large, uh, just because of uh, map distortion. But if you go on a flight tracker, you can see that that's pretty inaccurate. There's a uh, plenty of flights going between South America and Africa. Not as many as between like Europe and America, um, but that's mostly just because of economic reasons. They're not as developed.
1: Yeah. I, I, get, I always just keep coming back to, like, you were saying, why? Because that, that would be, like, probably close to trillions of dollars into this cover-up of the Earth being flat. And there's no, like, there's no real payoff that I can think of. Like, there's no, like, oh, like, they are, they're making all this money or... They, they have all this power because people think the world's round when it's flat i don't really see like the reasoning behind it
0: if anything it would actually be a a time and a money saver if the earth was flat because there's countless problems created when you try to project something globular onto a flat surface there's distortions and i i know because i done a couple cartography classes that it's just such a bother to have to like project stuff and uh, make sure everything is as and like try to minimize the distortion if the earth was flat that would be just like fantastic because then you wouldn't have to worry about the distortion of projecting a map and it would just make things so much easier but it's not (laughs) Um, I also
1: think go ahead with all like the discovery period we had like with Columbus and like after where did all those people go like he wanted to go west and he found the americas and did no one like go like east like was there like just like a lack of expeditions or did were these just people just lost to history like if if cuz so many people wanted to find the edge of the earth at this time but just no one did So was that just was the government like startups or like cover up start in like the 1400s or, it just it's a real really weird thing to to devote your life to I guess.
0: Yeah, I at some level I can uh, sort of empathize with them because I do think we should have a healthy dose of skepticism, Uh, especially like with this whole prison system, like we shouldn't just believe that the government has our best interest with locking up millions of people. We should always think about, well, is there some other thing going on here? And it seems pretty evident that there is something else going on. But when you go so far as to change your idea of like what the world is, like you're being presented with this information that tells you, oh, the world is this way. And then you come up with, you just like change your idea of the world so that that information fits in but you don't like actually change anything fundamentally it's just crazy
1: yeah and then i guess getting back to the uh prison system a little bit uh one of the things we wanted to talk about was like the drug offenses in the prison system because there's a very when you if you really kind of break down the whole idea of that that's another one of those things that just doesn't have a lot of thought put into it. Cause if you think about the, I guess the main idea of uh, imprisoning someone for uh, doing illegal drugs is the deterrence. Yeah. Like what, but when you think about it, most of, most of these people who are doing like, at least like hard drugs are usually not in like a great position. Like most people who, They might already be addicted to another substance or they might be like seeking some type of uh, escape is what happens a lot of the times or by the time they're at a point of being arrested, what will happen is they already are very, very addicted and dependent, which are two addictions, the psychological uh, like yearning for it and dependence is the physical dependence for it. They're usually addicted and dependent for it. And so they'll be put into prison for a week or a month. And then once they um, get out, what will happen is their, um, their uh, tolerance to the drug will decrease. But due to the fact that they have not had it for a while, it's almost like the idea of not eating a food you really enjoy for a while. You don't take a bite of it and then go and eat something else. You eat a lot of it. So they'll use the same dose when they had all of that tolerance built up, or they'll even use more, and that puts them at a very high risk for overdosing. And with almost half of our prison population, about forty-five to forty-six percent, um, being accused and um, imprisoned due to drug crimes, that's a whole lot of people in there. And a lot we have this three-strike offense, which means you have like three. Uh, once your it's your third offense of like a drug crime, you go away for like a longer period of time, which is an extremely uh, unhealthy thing. Because sometimes for a lot of people, addiction, which is the psychological part, can take up to two years or even longer uh, to be able to truly start get like get out of that cycle. And even after then, there's still sometimes habitual um, with like relapses. So addiction is like a very hard battle to fight with, both physically and psychologically. Um, but the deterrent factor of the prison system isn't really enough um, to battle that, because I mean, that's pretty obvious with how many people are still being in prison for drug crimes, even though um, we have this three strike rule. And even though we have uh, almost, like I said, almost half our prison system in there for drug crimes, that's, that deterrent is not enough.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of a classic example of one of those, like, you're treating a symptom, not the cause. Like, the reason why these people resort to drugs is because uh, there's something about their lives that they want to change, uh, but they don't have the means to other than this uh, drug, Um, which is why I think so many people, like, turn to religion uh, when they're trying to quit, because it's like, to them, the the drug kind of gives, like, a meaning to their life, I guess, um, and it it gives them experiences that you can get through spirituality or religion or that kind of stuff, but they were never taught how to uh, approach those things and how to uh, inquire about those kind of uh, really big, meaningful questions. Um, so, yeah, I think if we were t- to shift our attention more to addressing, like, public welfare and trying to like the main goal of a society really now that we've like if you have you ever heard of maslow's hierarchy of needs
1: i've heard i've never heard of the word maslow's in front of it but i've heard of like a hierarchy of needs before
0: yeah so like this guy he's a psychologist he came up with this hierarchy of needs maslow is his name and to me it makes perfect sense i don't know why it's not taught more often um but like at the bottom of this pyramid, you have uh, physiological needs. So like everybody needs air and food and sleep and that kind of stuff just to live. Uh, so those are like the most basic needs. And in our society, for most people, that is a given. Safety needs uh, is one above that. So people need to have uh, they need to be financially secure and they also need to just be safe on like a physical level, like. They need to not have, like, threats. Um, For a lot of people, that is a given, but there's a bunch of people still who don't feel safe. So I think if we addressed that one, that would solve a lot of problems. Like, if our society at large addressed that. And then love and belonging, that's where we, like, really miss the mark, I feel. Um, That's one above safety. So we need to have friendship, uh, intimacy, family and a sense of connection which i read the other day that's basically all religion is is this like is us trying to put into word the the feeling of oneness with everything like everything like we kind of talked about you talked about that patch multiverse where like every patch of this quilt is infinite so like every patch has everything in it, but then there's also like this whole quilt of it. So it's like every human has, or every anything has an infinity inside of it. But then there's also like the massive infinity of the universe. So like just this feeling of like connection that we are one with everything and everything's connected, you know, um, yeah, I feel like that's a lot of the reason why people turn to um, especially drug offenses um, is because of they're, they're lacking this love and belonging. Um, and then I think people resort to violent crimes because of safety needs. So I think we need to do a better job of those lower tiers of this pyramid. And then our really our goal should be after we tackle those problems... Is like then we need to start working on esteem, and then we need to like make it our goal as a society that everyone becomes self actualized.
1: Yeah, and um, with that whole like idea, um, I feel like a big thing that goes right along with that third kind of piece of like the pyramid is the idea of like acceptance. Um, because I feel like a lot of these like what happens a lot is when we have individuals who are like addicted to drugs. They're not seen as someone who's suffering from like a mental illness and needs help. They're seen as like a weak person or someone who is just an inferior person to the rest of the population, which is like on like a psychological level um, is proven to not be true. Um, So a lot of, when these people like get out, now they have a criminal record. Now they still have that addiction independence. So now they're in a worse position than before they went to prison, which is the exact opposite of what we want as a society.
0: Or what we should want. But right now, uh, because we've kind of created this prison industrial complex, there's actually incentives for uh, incarcerating people because you can make money off of them, uh, which is just such a bad thing. There's so many things that are just so wrong with capitalism and I don't know if there's another way to do it uh, because we've never tried another way. But this whole idea of like people are profiting off the death of people from coronavirus. Like they're like trying to like mess with the supply and demand instead of just like giving everything that you have uh, and not caring about what the profit is. They're still trying to make a profit off of this. Disease it's killing people and it's the same thing with prison they're incarcerating people for a profit so yeah that's as long as they kind of have that incentive to do it they're not going to be willing to change
1: it's definitely a very like strange world that we live in
0: yeah that's part of the reason why i sort of agree with socialism i mean there are there's problems with any kind of economic or political system um but to me it just would make sense that like i i don't hold the belief that there are intrinsically evil people i think people are put into situations that bring out uh like i've talked about the ego a lot they bring out like the worst parts of the ego um and i think that any person born in the right situation uh can reach this like self-actualization that doesn't involve like harming anyone else or harming their self um yeah so it's just i th- i think that there is a way to make a system of an a, an economic system where you don't you don't have to like have profit and that kind of stuff i i want to believe that people out of the goodness of their hearts are willing to do things
1: yeah, I definitely hope so. I think I agree with you on the idea. Uh, I don't know if they I don't really believe that they're like evil people. They're people who do like evil things. And I'm, and of course I'm, I've not experienced, and I've not had like met every person on earth, but most of the people I've heard of, if you've ever heard of like the book, like the Gulag Archipelago, it talks about these seemingly normal per- people who were, uh, I don't want to say forced, but uh, everything but to do like awful, awful things. Um, it's a very, very interesting book, and a very like hard to read book. There's a lot of parts to it. I haven't read the, all of the volumes of it, but I've read a decent amount of it. And it's it's a very scary book to read because when you really look at it, it almost, almost has like a reflection of like humanity in it, um, which means like as a society, we should more so try to like avoid putting people into those positions, as opposed to just believing that we wouldn't do the same in those positions, because that doesn't really help us like grow as a society.
0: Yeah, it's easy enough for me to sit here when I haven't really been the the victim or been affected by any crime, really, uh, I'm very thankful for that. But it's easy for me to say like, oh, don't put people in prison. When I don't have these feelings of uh, anger, um, and all that that comes with uh, the victim of a a crime like this, um, but at the same time, I like to think that if we kind of adopted this mindfulness stance, where it's like, this isn't a thing that's happening to me. This is a thing that's just happening, and kind of this like idea that yeah it's not the person that's doing that like if somebody were in the in one of the books i read uh he gives this example of like if somebody were to hit you with a stick do you get mad at the stick for hitting you or do you get mad at the arm for swinging you for swinging it or do you get mad at the person for like uh uh, like planning out that action um and most of the time you get mad at the the person planning it and Eventually in the book, he says that you should also reconsider getting mad at the person. Um, but like, this is kind of, I feel like it's almost, yeah, we force people like in that book you were talking about, that we force people into these situations where like, it's almost inevitable that these things are going to happen. And it seems almost like that's by design.
1: I know one of the things I think a lot about is whether or not you believe that you could do the things Hitler did. And he, I, I just brought him up because he's a pretty well-known example of someone who did something that is pretty universally seen, seen as an awful thing. Even if you don't believe if you were in the same position, you would have done the same thing. As a society, we need to like realize that when we just kind of like call him a monster and put him into this box and say like, oh, he's an awful person. Good thing we're not um there's always even if you don't believe everyone could do that there's always going to be people who do so until we really look in the, like into the psychology of it and look into well what led him to doing that and how do we prevent that from happening to someone we're never really going to get away from things like that happening so yeah I feel like for me at least the idea of prison part of it's almost like a coping mechanism for people who uh, lose something and are affected by a lot of these crimes, which is, um, at least I, I believe, um, I would say it's a good thing uh, to allow these people to cope with, especially lost loved ones. But a lot of times that's taken too far. And like you were saying, it uh, exits the realm of deterrence and avoiding Uh, individuals uh or like stopping individuals from committing more multiple crimes and helping the people who are affected by their crimes like cope through this like feeling of justice yeah which is not and it'll shift to more of like you were saying a monetary thing and people will start profiting off of that which is not really what we should want as a society
0: yeah we talked about in the in the class that I was in, we talked about this idea of restorative justice where it's not just like, okay, you're locking up the person, um, but uh, there is incapacitation if a person is uh, immediately a threat. Um, so they will be inca- incapacitated until they're no longer a threat. But then there's like, it's basically a whole bunch of meetings where like the victims and the perpetrator all meet up with a bunch of uh mediators i guess people there to make sure nothing escalates but they're able to just talk about it and like we can ask these questions of like why did you do this and we can and the the people who were affected by it will likely come to understand that this wasn't something that was uh it's it's very rarely is a like a burglary a burglary isn't like a personal thing it's just a person most of the time who's out of luck and needs some money um and yeah i think that this kind of like understanding is the next step that we need to to make because i feel like a lot of people when somebody just gets locked up they're not able to process their their grief as well as if they were able to talk to those people and ask them the question, ask them the questions that they, they have. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I think about it too. on like even like a larger scale when we have someone who's like a serial killer, um, I don't know the statistics, but I would assume the vast vast majority of them are diagnosed with like sociopathy or psychopathy. Um, And the thing is when we just like lock these people up and I'm not saying to let them go and to like give them a pat, not at all. But when we just put these people in prison, we're, we're really, and just call them a monster. The problem is um, there's people born with these um, like illnesses. And like I said, sociopath in the last episode, sociopathy is something uh, that's like created almost through trauma in developmental years. Uh, These people exist and by these, they're just people uh, that will do very bad things. Um, and I'm not trying to justify those things. But if we don't really explore why these things happen, we have, we kind of short ourselves of the ability to begin, uh, like, increasing our, like, understanding so that we can, as we move forward, prevent these things from ever happening to anybody uh which is like i said is something we really lose the ability to do and we just as a society to say oh these people are monsters they're awful people i can't do that and then we just forget about them and i'm not saying people need to fill every day with them but if we kind of came to this understanding that they did it for some reason and as society to prevent this from happening again we should understand what that reason is like you were saying that idea of the burglary Uh, understand why they did it which is not something that we do very often if at all as a society to people who've committed like criminal acts
0: yeah um we're gonna have to sign off pretty soon here but i just wanted to add that like yeah i think to carry on kind of that like stick analogy maybe that person hit someone with a stick because they were raised in such a way where they don't have they're not as empathetic with people. So it's uh yeah, I I and I also kind of like the idea where it's like it's not just a a one-sided argument, it's a discussion. That's that's what justice should be is that we both learn something. The victim learns something from the uh the criminal, I guess if you want to call him that. Um they learn something about how like different circumstances cause people to behave in different ways. Because at our core, our our desires, like Maslow's hierarchy, are pretty simple. When we don't have this safety, we have to resort to other things that are likely illegal. And then on the other side, the I, I feel like this restorative justice better than it's better than putting someone in prison because then they just have resentment. Because they they feel like they're not accomplishing anything, they're not growing in prison. Um, but when you get to when the when the criminal gets to talk with the person that they have affected, they can see more clearly um, what what kind of uh, grief they have caused. And I like to believe that people will grow from that, except for maybe the the sociopaths and the psychopaths who don't have that that empathy. But I think to see someone crying because of uh, the death of a loved one, there would be uh, very few people who wouldn't be changed in some way. Yeah. All right. So that was a good conversation. Uh, Maybe we should do it again sometime and record it. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to sign off for for now. Uh, But thanks for stopping by. See you.